So Crisp, a tasty bite-sized podcast that serves business, bravery, branding, beauty, sex, love, motherhood, womanhood, feminism, labels, psychology, marketing, messaging, mavenry, musicals, and the mess we call life. All deliciously dished up and ready to consume. In fact, is there anything we don't discuss? Not with Jay Crisp Crow, copywriting queen from Crisp Copy in the kitchen. I hope you're hungry. In 2018, the UN Women's Organization wrote a list of facts and figures about economic empowerment. In it, they stated women's economic empowerment is central to realizing women's rights and gender equality around the world. Did you know that women constitute around half of the 258 million migrants who live and work outside their countries of birth? Migrant women and girls outnumber men and boys in all regions except for Africa and Asia. That's also from the UN Women Facts List and speaks directly to the need for economic literacy and licence to play a central role in ensuring equity for women and the success of the economies that they work in. Grace Mugabe is doing something about that very issue right here in Australia on the ground. She brings her extensive experience in accounting, along with her corporate background, to deliver financial literacy to provide practical and comprehensive financial education that is affordable and accessible for women and disenfranchised communities. That's directly from her website. Today, we're talking about financial literacy, not just for business women, but for all women, how having it changes lives and communities and society. And with Grace in the So Crisp Hot Seat, we are bound to learn something. Huge welcome to you, Grace. Hi, Jay. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Before we get into your driving force and all your passion projects, can you tell us a little of your personal and business backstory, including the elephant in the room? And I know that you have to talk about this because every time I've heard you speak, you just address it straight away. The fact that you have one of the most famous names in history. Uh, yes, a famous, maybe infamous. <laughs> yeah, <okay>. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so yes, I'll actually address that first. Um, okay. So yeah, uh, Grace Mugabe, um, she was married to um, the Zimbabwean dictator Robert Mugabe. And um, so she is known for, I guess, um, being, um, you know, she has a very bad reputation, her and her husband or her late husband now for, you know, things that include murder, fraud, um, you name it, corruption. Um, But she has the nickname Gucci Grace because she's also known to go to places like Harrods and have the whole shop closed down so she can go shopping. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and how, like when you, when you're building a business and you're building your personal brand, do you, do you ever have a moment where you think, wow, this is something to contend with? Um, yeah. And it has been, I must say, um, because I've had, um, issues with PayPal, Eventbrite. Oh, banks. really? Yeah. Because they've, um, thought that maybe this was her offshore bank account or with PayPal, for example, because it's a US-based company, they're banned in the US. So I would often get a letter to say, well, you know, you're banned by the federal um, US state treasury, you know, and so we can't transfer that money to you. It's like, but, but I'm not her. I'm a different Grace. Um, and I'd like to say I'm the original Grace because Grace Mugabe, because she's Grace Mugabe through marriage. I'm through birth. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, that makes sense. That makes perfect yeah. sense. So how did you end up what you're doing, doing what you're doing now? Where did that um, all come from? So I think um, it starts from, yeah, I guess my childhood, my parents were very, um, or are very 
um, community driven and, you know, would always sort of drag my brothers and I along to the different events that they would go to. And I remember one was um, for homeless kids and it just made me appreciate the fact that um, not only did I have, you know, my parents, but had a home to live in, great education, options to travel around the world, all of those sort of things. So I think that sort of built my drive to give back to the community. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to financial literacy, um, from the age of 15, my mom used to sit me down when she would do her budget. Mm -hmm. And, um, but, you know, as a typical 15 year old, I didn't see the purpose of it. And so I'd sit there and roll my eyes and think, why is she punishing me? Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But then like, um, I guess three years later, I was here in Australia all by myself. And, um, you know, I was really glad that I'd actually paid attention. Yeah. So, yeah, and my dad um, is the one that taught me about finances, um, investing. So, I guess so did you did you always want to be an accountant? Was that something that you had always planned to be? No, um, I was just always really good with numbers. Yeah. So I think I just wasn't really sure what I was going to do. Um, but, yeah, when I was in school, I actually didn't really enjoy accounting um, as such. Oh, and I think yeah. a lot of it was because it had to do with, things like tax, um, which I actually hey, Even enjoy. you say tax like that. <laughs> I do. Tax. And so even when I introduce myself and tell people I'm an accountant, I'm like, I'm not that kind of an accountant. I'm a bit different. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I enjoy um, the balancing, um, budgeting, you know, making things work. And um, so I think that's how I got into accounting, but started doing you know, management accounting, which is looking at things like budgets and cash flow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I remember when we first met, um, we spoke about your considerable experience on boards, usually in a financially advisory capacity, and the reaction that you repeatedly received as a young woman when you first fronted up to tell people big boards, some of them who had been on boards for decades, how to run their numbers better. And I think a lot of listeners will resonate with some of the stories that you told. Can you tell us about those experiences? Um, Yeah, so I was in my early 20s and at the time I was working in mining, Um, but, you know, I went to a not-for-profit board and and I applied and, you know, went in and had a chat. They said, oh, you're really young. You don't have board experience and you also don't even work in the not-for-profit space. Um, And I'm like, yeah, but you're looking for someone that has... um, finance experience don't Mm -hmm. you and they're like yeah I'm like okay just give me three months to prove myself and then if you're not happy you can get rid of me and um you know a few years later and you know I was still on the board but I you know sat on the board and thought some of the questions that the board members were asking um I actually offered to run a session just to help them with improving you know looking at things like the strategy, the sustainability and the viability of the organization rather than worrying about why, you know, the utility bill was $100 more than it was the previous month. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually how I then got into running workshops. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't link those two parts of the story up. Um, I think that's, that's really fascinating because of course, like, a lot of boards are often hungry for, um, you know, really great workers, people that are going to, um, 
you know, not shake up the way that they do things, but people who are going to bring fresh eyes and um, fresh passion for it. Um, and it, it's, it's really interesting to hear your experience where you turn up. And, and as we were talking about before we started recording, you know, some of the people that you worked with on the boards had been on the board for as long as you had been alive. And so it was probably, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the resistance I think was, was the interesting part for me to, to listen to somebody just because they're, to not want to listen to somebody just because they're young. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I think also sometimes when you have different organizations, like, um, and when people see you on the board, they don't assume that you're on the board, maybe because of different stereotypes. So I've been yes. to events where um, board members are there, and then people may assume that I'm there because I'm there to receive some sort of funding or assistance. And then I'm like, no, no, I'm the one that's actually signing the checks. And, that's a moment that's it is is. do you want copywriting glory and an itty bitty price tag the crisp copy class self-guided course option is a comprehensive copywriting course for women ready to write bank making copy on a bootstrapping friendly budget over 30 hours of recordings, oodles of downloadable worksheets, tutorials, and structural guides, everything from about pages to sales pages and all the copy in between, all with lifetime access. Wet your whistle at crispcopy.com.au and click the courses tab or check it out in the show notes. So you also have a love job, um, which is to say a not-for-pay job. You run something called Money Matters for Migrants. Tell us about that. Tell us about where that started, what that does for people, why it's so important. So as part of my organization, Financially Empowered, I run a lot of um, financial literacy workshops. And one of the things that I found was there weren't a lot of um, migrants or even people that look like me that were attending these workshops. Mm -hmm. And it made me realize that, you know, there were a lot of barriers um, to them being able to access um, these resources, even if they were free. So things like, you know, not having um, grandparents, you know, around for them to just you know, young kids off to, or yeah. it could be just even language barriers. Um, and so I decided that I wanted to try and make these um, workshops more accessible and remove as many barriers as possible. And so that's how Money Matters for Migrants um, came about. Yeah. And how do you, how do you do that? How did you go about doing that? Um, so firstly, um, I, with the services that I run which are paid services through financially empowered mm-hmm. um, part of the money that i receive goes towards um, money matters for migrants mm-hmm. but the other thing that i did was um, i applied for um, lane beachley foundation's aim for the stars program mm-hmm. and it was basically they were going to fund a dream that you had um, and so my dream was to run a money matters for migrants workshop where the Workshop would be free. We would provide catering, interpreters, childcare facilities, and any transportation if oh, so. You um, just take away, yeah. You take away all of the things that are in the way. Then exactly. So um, yeah, so they did just that. Um, the Lane Beachley Foundation found, um, funded that first um, workshop, and then I brought together a whole bunch of women from different um, sectors. So we had um, financial counselors who also they had a room that they could use if anyone needed to speak to someone. We had um, a multicultural women's health center that came to talk about the free services that they provide for women, including mm-hmm. women's health, mental health. Um, 
we had domestic uh, um, a refuge um, for who talked about financial abuse. So women can get a better understanding of what that is and to know what support is available. And this um, this idea came from one of the very first workshops I ran for women on Centrelink, where a woman came to me and said to me that she didn't feel safe to go home. Oh, oh. And I just, I, you know, was speechless. I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I promised myself that I never wanted to be caught in a situation like that again. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we, you know, we share all this information at those workshops, including then um, things like, you know, how to um, prepare your finances so you can get a loan, how to budget, um, how to do your tax returns um, as well. Yeah. And what outcomes, what what do you see happening for communities when you do hand over this really valuable information without all of the barriers that would normally come with it for people to access it? Well, I think one of the um, most rewarding things was the situation that I've just mentioned where this lady um, actually left my workshop and went to a refuge with her two kids. Oh, my um, heart. Yeah. So, um, you know, if after that day, if I'd never run another workshop, I feel yeah. like I would have actually done my job. Um, so just knowing that they're now aware of the services that are available, um, you know, that you can get on a Transperth bus for free and go to wherever you need to if you're in a DV situation. But also we've actually had um, one uh, person buy their first home. They didn't know about yeah. Keystart okay. um, and know that, you know, there's a government initiative that for, you know, um, that could help them buy a house. Mm-hmm. But then also just smaller things where, um, which aren't, um, I guess, insignificant, but just understanding and knowing that, oh, I can have my own bank account. I can budget, um, make my finances work in my home. But I can also talk about finances and teach my children about money because they're going to emulate or see what it is that I do. That is fabulous. I bought my first home on Keystart. On oh, Centrelink as a single mother. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic initiative. Was a process. It, 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 there would be no other way that I would have gotten into the, especially Perth market, mm-hmm. and still be here owning my house without yeah. it. It was, it is an incredible thing. Yeah. Um, so I think it's pretty safe to say that for many businesswomen, we start businesses because we see a gap in the market or we really love doing something or developing something or creating something or providing a particular kind of service. And that leads us by the heart to investing in ourselves and launching something, a business. Mm-hmm. But all of the stats show us that so many of us don't make it past two years and then there's another drop off at five years. For me personally, year three was a doozy because of tax and budgeting. Mm. And then only about half of the 20% left after five years actually make it to over 10 years. So I put my hand up here for a whole load of women and say, having to be all over your numbers, tax, GST, bookkeeping. I cried the day that my um, accountant told me that I would have to charge GST because I always thought that GST was in the calendar year. And then I just got this message out of the blue and she said, no, no, it's like, I don't know what the official term is, but it's like, as soon as you earn over $75,000 in that year, you have to start charging GST. And I remember messaging her back and saying, can I just refund people some money? I don't want to do this. I'm so scared. But bookkeeping, budgeting, cash flow, chasing up invoices, anything to do with numbers is one of the main reasons that women give up their business owning dreams and go back to employment. So is there any kind of, I know you can't offer... 
accountant, accounting advice, but is there general yeah. advice that you can give to <laughs> women listening about how to develop their own financial literacy? And why do you think that we're resistant or afraid of getting on good terms with our own money? Um, so I think the reason why we're resistant is firstly because um, a lot of us have grown up in environments where we're told that talking about money is taboo. Yes. It's rude to talk about money, so you don't talk about money. Yes. Um, and so therefore, we just don't. There are also no structural systems in place to teach us about money. So, um, you know, you don't learn about money at school. So if your parents didn't know about money, well, what are they going to be able to teach you? Because they're probably just, you know, struggling as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where a lot of that sort of um, comes from. But then also I find that there's a lot of jargon when it comes to money, you know, so even if someone sort of explains um, things like, you know, having to pay back tax, you know, if you say, oh, but you're a creditor or you're a debtor and, you know, it's, um, tax refund or those sort of words that people just don't use day-to-day -day English, it just becomes um, scary. Mm. And then a lot of the times, you know, people feel, you know, um, embarrassed for not understanding and so they, they don't ask and then it just becomes this you know snowball effect mm -hmm. so i think that's why people can be you know pretty resistant and we just generally just don't talk about money no um, i think you, you you really hit on something that i've i've really found i keep having to kind of dig into because being part of um you know 99 of my clients are women i work with predominantly women all of the time mm -hmm. and there is a real shame, even in the business, you know, these powerful, wonderful business women, there's still sometimes in some corners, and they're big corners, a, mm. an undercurrent of shame if you talk about money being part of the reason that you're in business. There's this kind of ethereal, up in the woo, feeling that, um, you know, that whole, you know, start with your why and why you're in business and that always has to be driven by something that is other than getting paid but getting paid is such an integral part of making sure that you can continue to provide the service that you love um but we're but we're really really like i, I remember reading somebody i really looked up to in my industry saying oh, i just wish i just wish all these bloody women would stop talking about how much money they make and how much tax they're making because it's just gross and I just remember thinking, I need those women to talk about that because exactly yeah. what you just said, my mum didn't really educate me about how to do it well. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't receive any education in my very, my mother bent over to send me to an amazing private school. We never talked about money there. We learned how to type. Mm. Um, and, <laughs> and then so I, I needed these women to keep talking about money because I couldn't find that information anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. no, and I can definitely relate to you. So I, same sort of situation. I went to an amazing private school and um, yeah, we, we learned to type and all those sort of things and you get to travel and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But like you never even get to, um, you know, and with a lot of kids, you wouldn't even wonder where the money's coming from yeah. um, for your yeah. parents to pay. But that's the thing. My parents were very um, open and honest about certain things. And so even like, for example, I remember um, I really wanted my dad to buy a new car. And he said to me, um, sure, I can buy that brand new car and I can even pay for it in cash. However, then I can't send you to that private school. Mm. 
Yes. And that made me yeah. realize, I was like, oh, okay, just because you have money, you need to prioritize certain things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so even now, that's just how I live my life in terms of, yeah, I could go on that holiday, but I would also probably need to give, you know, give something a little else somewhere up. else. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, it is um, really important to be able to, you know, talk about um money but also back to what you were saying in terms of you know some of the things that women can do Mm -hmm. um, around money is I um, have I guess the five um, W's around money so you know the why where what when and who Mm -hmm. so when we talk about financial literacy I also think about it as um, you know your financial health so financial health is not necessarily about your wealth. I think it's more important to learn to manage the dollar that you have right now, then that will teach you how to manage $100,000 or a million dollars in the future. Because you know, if you can't manage a dollar now, even if you're to be given a million dollars, you're not gonna be able to manage it. Okay. So understanding why do you wanna be financially healthy? So yeah, it's okay, you know, to need money because we have lives that we need to live. We've got kids that we want to take care of. Um, You know, we want to be able to enjoy the pleasures of life. Um, But understanding where your money is coming from and where it's going is really important as well. Um, So, you know, then that way we're not living beyond our means. So if you know that you're earning $2,000, where is it going? What expenses are you spending your money, um, you know, for you to be able to live? And, you know, are you living within your means? But also understand things like, you know, what do you own? What are your assets? And what do you owe? So who do you owe money to? And what debts do you also need to be able to pay off? And so sometimes your debts may not be that, you know, you're in, you have to pay them off right now, like you were talking about the tax. Mm. Tax, we usually pay it in a year, but we are, Um, building up that debt as the year goes and so having something like a another bank account that you can start to put that money away little by little so that when the time comes for you to pay tax it's not overwhelming absolutely I think that's what saved me in year four (laughs) Mm, yeah and well done for you to you for um you know being able to um, and it becomes like from somebody who was absolutely terrified of money before and, and all the stories that come with it. I have had to do so much work on unpacking all of that. Um, mm. But just now when it comes in and I see, you know, if $1,000 hits my account, I know that 300 of those dollars are automatically not for me. Yes. <laughs> They're That's gone. Exactly it. Yeah. And, and so you just start to recognise it without having to do all that work. But for a, for a good year, it was hard work every single time. And I tracked it every time I got a payment, not just on Fridays. Now I have mm. a Friday money date with myself, but... Every oh, nice. single time I got paid, I would have to figure out the percentage and move it straight away so that yes. I didn't blindside me anymore. Yes, exactly. That active cash management is really important. Mm. Um, and I do that as well. Sundays, 6 p.m. Um, <laughs> every Sunday, that's what I'm doing because I also don't want to have any, you know, nasty surprises. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, nicely surprised they're not good. Well, it has been a pleasure to talk money with you, which is something hilariously I never thought that I would say. Um, you have a really good um, uh, tool that people can use on your website. Do you want to tell us a tiny bit about that? 
Yeah, so um, it's called the money type quiz. So, you know, based off what we were talking about, we all have, um, you know, habits, patterns, and a relationship that we have with money. And a lot of it is based off of our experiences and what we've picked up from our parents. And so with this money type quiz, it'll help you understand your relationship with money. So whether you're, um, you know, in the sand, head in the sand sort of person and you just sort of <laughs> try and ignore things or maybe you are uh, what we might call a tyrant and so you're not allowing yourself to enjoy life because you feel like oh. you have to save every penny um, but you know then once you take that test um, we can have a bit of a chat about how to find balance in your life um, so that it's not too overwhelming um, you know because we all have a money story yeah yes a few. I think I have a few. Yeah, sure, <laughs> <True>, me too. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being so crisp with me, Grace, and for your lovely words of wisdom. Um, I'm going to let you take us out with May Your Day Be So Crisp. So may your day be so crisp as a brand new $100 bill. This has been so crisp. My guest has been Grace Mugabe. Grace is a qualified CPA and graduate of the Australian Institute of Company Directors with extensive financial, analytical and accounting experience ranging from small business to industry leading multinational mining and resources corporations. She is the driving force behind Financially Empowered, a for-purpose enterprise to provide practical and comprehensive financial education that is affordable and accessible for women in disenfranchised communities. This includes assisting women in business to become familiar and overcome any fears associated with handling their own finances. You've been listening to So Crisp with copywriter, copy coach and consultant Jay Crisp Crow. If you've loved this episode, get all the juicy details and links at crispcopy.com.au forward slash podcast. Make sure you never miss a bite by subscribing to So Crisp wherever you get your podcasts. Want to help us spread the deliciousness? Rate and review this show and share with your mates. Remember, if there's a copy question you want nibbled at, email me straight away right now.